but leaving something in the mind is different than feeling it in your body. Right. And I think that's everything with trauma. You're a high achiever. On paper and through the eyes of others, you've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is you feel unwanted, unworthy, and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders Podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you. Hell, I get you. I am you. So get your best hider's face on, sit down, and let your guard down. What's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over. But let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at karengoldfingerbaker.com. My guest today in the Trauma Hiders Club is Dr. Amanda Beer, Program Director at the Wolf Connection. Wolf Connection, a not-for-profit organization, is a unique educational sanctuary and wilderness retreat center located just north of Los Angeles that brings people together through direct relationship with rescued wolves. With the help of the animals, at-risk groups reconnect with nature, learn to be of service by responsibly caring for another being, and work towards becoming the kind of person they want to be through wolf therapy. The animals help them focus on their impulses, feelings, and emotions in a constructive way. They learn to forgive and give others and themselves a second chance. Amanda is a licensed psychologist and educator, and at Wolf Connection, she collaborates with the Wolf Pack and human program team to facilitate powerful opportunities for awareness, connection, healing, and growth. Consistent with her commitment to social justice as a therapist, she has presented and published a number of empirical studies focused on social, cultural, and training issues, such as inmate experiences, white privilege, multicultural learning environments, and so much more. I think you'll notice that Amanda is deeply honored to work in an environment where in-the-moment experience and willingness to learn from the wolves and the land surpass any of her aforementioned credentials. Welcome, Amanda. For some, this moment on Trauma Hiders Club podcast has the potential to be one of the most uncomfortable conversations that they've ever experienced. Amanda, why did you say yes to coming on Trauma Hiders Club why now? I love how you intro that as one of the most uncomfortable experiences <laughs> I've ever had. <laughs> so I thought, why did I say yes to this? <laughs> I think that's everything powerful that we do as humans is mm. bring, bring what we want to hide to the mm. forefront. Trauma used to be something that nobody spoke about or, or 
was almost assigned to these really random catastrophic events. And it's a bit more of a buzzword now. And I, I think many people realize that we all have trauma. And, you know, I think most of us were still conditioned to hide from it. And I agreed, not only because it's such a part of the, the work that I do and um, supporting others to recognize, heal, move through their trauma, but also because it's been such a powerful journey for myself. And so it felt important to step into this versus step away. Yeah, nice. So would you agree that all of us have experienced trauma just by living through this pandemic? I would say all of us have experienced trauma by being alive. Yeah. I mean, look at the world we live in. So even, I mean, certainly with the pandemic, I think everyone experiences it differently. Mm -hmm. But I feel like for most individuals, even if one can say, gosh, I got everything I needed as a kid in my family, I mean, we're still part of a world that is full, full of trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the loss of connection. Right. The loss of tribal support, all of, all of those things that mm. probably in the past, perhaps, you know, I work, with, I work with wolves and animals. And so we see how the wolves have this innate response to move through trauma. And I feel like as humans, we have, through our conditioning, forgotten our capacity mm, to do yeah. that. So I feel like we, yes, I feel like we all have trauma. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, how do wolves deal with trauma differently than humans? Mm -hmm. So I, I will tell you my perspective. I can't speak for the wolves. Right. There is literature out there on this that um, the other animals that are not human, especially in the wild have a natural capacity to basically move physically and emotionally through trauma so that they, they run or they shake. They literally like mm -hmm. shake through the trauma, releasing it. There's a natural response to release the trauma from the body and to move through it. Now, because we work with wolves that are, have been raised in captivity, many of those wolves were chained to a pole early in their life mm -hmm. or in an extremely small space. So the part that I find incredibly fascinating is that I almost feel like we see what happened when wild turned captive. So we see wolves and wolf dogs with trauma responses similar to humans, in my opinion, because they couldn't naturally move through the trauma, mm. because they were chained to a pole, because they were caged in the way that, that we feel caged sometimes. Mm. Regardless... I think what we witness is that once the, the wolves and wolf dogs have a safe space to be treated more like wolves, in their own sacred timing, they go through a process healing, and you kind of watch them slowly open up to a new experience. So many of them will pace or hide, and then you watch this gradual process of whether it's giving humans a second chance, if they were abused by humans, or just giving connection generally a second chance. We've never witnessed any of them not grow, hmm. not release the old patterns. And the old patterns are coping, so they're fine. There's no problem. Right. With, with pacing or freezing, it's basically fight or flight. There's no problem. But the thing that's so inspiring to me is they, there's just this set point to grow and expand. Yeah. Would you, I mean, clearly we can't speak to the wolves. What is that set point? Is it the set point? Is it fueled by, is it desire? Mm, 
I actually feel like as beings, we have a set point for equilibrium. Mm. We have a set point to be okay with whatever is happening around us. That our survival does not have to depend entirely on the environment that we're in. That we have the ability to adapt and find internal equilibrium and peace. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what comes up for me. But I love the question about desire. Yeah. That feels fiery and true. I have to sit with that. Yeah. 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 So Amanda, you've spoken about the wolves. I'm aware that wolf connection has been a sacred healing place for youth, for adults, for even for people who are who are experiencing serious illness. Your work spans both humans and wolves. Can you talk a little bit about that or a lot about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when we think about why wolves, there are, other, there are other programs that offer connection with, you know, dogs or horses. Wolves were the first animal that humans really connected with and then actually co-evolved together to today where we see so many families with a canine in their household. And what the wolves bring that to me feels very different than being with other animals is this extremely primal, wild presence. And, you know, I can say more about that. It's a little different than we think of primal and wild because it's very calm and serene, very calm and serene. And for me, what I've witnessed for my, in myself and with the people we work with, whether it's adults or youth is that something gets touched in us, almost a memory, a sense, like I mentioned earlier, that we have this set point of being okay. And I feel like the wolves mirror that for us. And it looks a little different for every person. You know, we all have our journey. It's amazing to watch how people will connect with the wolf or wolf dog that mirrors their journey. But I think most of what happens is very, I'm trying to put it in words, but it's very unspoken. It happens at a body level. I feel like a lot of what we're learning about trauma today, or at least there's a lot of theory on, is that, I mean, that's that's the evolution. That's the next step that talk therapy isn't necessarily going to get you to, that how do we we heal what's become cellular, this cellular trauma that we carry. And so the wolves mirror our resilience, our capacity, our ability to be present and in the moment. And they just invite that with their, with their being. We do also share their stories. Storytelling is a big part of what we do. We, we, I like to say that, you know, the wolves howl and humans tell stories. So that's another powerful piece, you know, but to me, if, if I really had to get kind of granular about what happens, it's the, it's the presence that people feel when they're with these incredible majestic beings. Yeah, there's a having spent some time at the Wolf Connection Ranch and among the wolves. For me, there was not only peace. I felt this inner peace and also a peace as if I was on, you know, some sacred land. Mm-hmm. And I think the peace for me was there was an order going on a, a hike with the wolves. There seemed to be an, a natural order. And for someone who has experienced trauma, I didn't realize until I went deeper and deeper into 
my therapy, I didn't realize that all of my life I've been seeking peace and that the order, the order of the hike, you know, wolves have what I learned. And you can tell me if I've made this up, that there's an order to the pack. And that when I learned about that, that really clicked with me that everybody has a job. And when I say everybody, I mean, every wolf Mm -hmm. within the pack has a job and the wolves aren't looking at who is the wounded, who is the broken. It's who's right for the job. And like that really, that really struck me as like peace order. And then the other piece of that was freedom. Yeah. Really like really powerful stuff. There weren't, I remember going on my wolf hike. There were not our hike with the wolves. There were not many words spoken. And yet I came back a combination of like exhilarated and drained. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, oh, well, this was clearly a heavy talk therapy session. And yet <laughs> there weren't any words spoken other than like, oh, look, look at those. Look at that tree blooming. Yeah. You right. know? Yeah. Really, really cool stuff. Can you share without get clearly without going into you know anything that would identify a group or a person can you share a story or an anecdote something about a group or an individual that came to wolf connection with with their stories with their traumas and how the program and working working through helped release the trauma, either enter into more healing or actually be healed. Mm -hmm. Gosh, there are so many stories. So Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to feel into the one that comes to me. And so I'm going to share, I'm going to share that one where, you know, we work with a lot of groups. So most of the youth are from, they come to us from a continuation school. Many of them have been in probation. So this was a group from that school and we had a young woman part of that group who was very shut down when she showed up, kind of, you know, keep to herself, a little scowl on her face, her arms crossed, you know, really kind of self-protective. And probably her second visit, they, they come eight times. Her second visit, we introduced the group to one of our wolves named Mikey. Mikey's story is that he lived with a family. Well, he lived with a man and he, from as far as we can tell, he was kind of the runt of the litter didn't get attention. As the story goes, when we went to get him, we said he needs to be neutered first. All the animals are spayed and neutered so that we can save our spaces for for rescues. And that the human said, you know, a bullet's cheaper. So I, I share that only not as a pity story, but only to give you the sense of the likely neglect that was happening. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, we paid for Mikey's neuter and brought him in. And he had this persona anytime someone would kind of go to touch or connect with him, where he would kind of crouch and almost look at you like, why me? Why would you pay attention to me? And so we started doing this thing called Mikey Medicine, where every day a human would sit with him for 15 minutes just to show him you're worth it. And he started to open up. And he would kind of come and put his head under your hand or rub against you or just stand a couple feet away and biting. 
inviting connection from the heart or, or loving touch. And so we like to say that then Mikey started sharing his medicine with others. And this young woman was definitely, definitely one of those people. So she heard Mikey's story and something shifted in her. Just you could see, it's like she looked and this, this whole transformation kind of happened in, in her body and she spoke. She said, that's, that's like me. That's my story. And that's all she said on the second day. And then I think maybe the third day, it was probably the third or fourth day, we, we spend time at the medicine wheel. And we use it as kind of a developmental tool where we go back and talk to our younger selves. We talk to our future selves. We model it. And then the young people share as, as they feel appropriate share something about their lives, or they maybe they go give their four-year-old self a gift, you know, as now they're a teenager. So it's really up to them. We model and leave it up to them. Can you give us just a little more about what a medicine wheel is and why? Why use that? Yeah. So the medicine wheel was developed by Native Americans, indigenous groups, and we use it with the utmost respect. Mm -hmm. It's basically a, a sacred space. And the reason that we use a medicine wheel is because Native people are our models of how to respect and interact with other species. So most Native tribes, you know, believed each, each animal, each species has something to teach us as humans, not the other way around. And it's also a sacred space, you know, I, I think in more modern society or over time, humans with a lot of ego have wanted to build big sacraments, you know, religious... Right. And all of these things and the medicine wheel is just made from the land. It's made out of rocks. It's a space that doesn't detract from the land and really is meant just to be a, a sacred gathering space. It can mean something different for every different group. And ours is a mix, you know, native principles and, and look, just and earth principles of looking at the four directions and the different seasons. And then, of course, you know, it, it integrates some modern day psychology and some work of like looking how we develop over time and the life cycle and things like that. So we really use it as a sacred space for the, the young people to gather. It's also in the middle of the wolf compound. Mm -hmm. So frequently when we have, whether it's youth or adults gather there and, and people choose to kind of to share, or there's a certain energy amongst the group, frequently one of the wolves will start howling and then the whole pack starts howling, which is just, I mean, there's something so validating oh, and so yeah. grounding about that much different than an applause right. or whatever we do as humans this you know to we witness each other and then to be witnessed that way by the wolves is just incredible I just wanted to make sure that our listeners would either they could reference a medicine wheel or they could look at wolf connection if I, I don't remember if there is anything about that but just to learn more I'll just add that when I was there and we were sharing at the medicine wheel, I did have that experience. I remember it was eerily quiet and then our sharing began and there was a little bit of pacing going on with the wolves. And then one started howling and, ev and then eventually everybody howled in unison, all the wolves. It was, it was like nothing I've ever experienced. <laughs> it was a combination of like haunting and spiritual and really grounding. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I mean, I, I remember what my Roth looked like. That's how powerful mm. that moment was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we had to have that little clarification point. And now, <laughs> so to go on with your, with your story about this woman who is connecting with Mikey. Yeah. So not, you know, not too far into the program, she, to all of our shock, I mean, all of the staff <laughs> we were kind of standing there looking at each other. Maybe only one other student had opened up and she chooses to share. And she shares about feeling just like Mikey as a child, that nobody really has time for her. Nobody has a space to give her attention. And she kind of has this epiphany. Oh, so now as a teenager, I, I don't open up. I almost have the sense that I don't deserve it. I'm not worth it. And the, the other beautiful thing, it was this incredible opening. And the thing that I think why this story stands out to me so much is she and this other young woman in the program had like major beef with each other. You know, so they're kind of like rivals at school. And so she shares this and the other young woman is totally attentive, listening to her full attention and um, says, wow, you know, I know we don't really get along, but I didn't realize how much we have in common. I'm choking up. Sorry. Yeah, me too. So not only, you know, it was this thing that we see. So by, by sharing her story, she totally bridged this gap. And we see this other young woman experience healing and feel the connection that they share. And you almost see, you almost feel the understanding that comes from that, that we're both struggling. And so it plays out this certain way at school. And in this space, we get to be with the, the deeper reality of that. Yeah. And she, she ended up, you know, she did end up sharing about more trauma after that and was beautifully witnessed by the humans and the wolves. It felt like Mikey inspired her to kind of take that risk, mm -hmm. go out on a limb, allow, to, allow herself to ask for help, to be supported. And she took the risk and found a very different experience than what she had had as a child. And she didn't even like animals. She would always joke and say, I don't, I don't even, I, I hate dogs. I don't like animals. And then she would always ask for Mikey to come out and Mikey would come rub on her. And it was, <laughs> so I share the kind of fun spirit of it too, because yeah. she would get this like little grin on her face and say, I don't, I don't even like them, but Mikey, I love Mikey. Right. And, and we never know if they'll physically connect. So the fact that he would, he's a very shy, very, very shy animal that doesn't come out much with the public. And he was certainly willing to be present with her and um, make that physical connection as well as the heart connection that they shared. Wow. Well, Amanda, you clearly, I have no doubt that the power of Mikey and Mikey's spirit opened her up and you were there too. And it's the safety and the kindness and the care that you bring and the, that the Wolf Connection Ranch allows that I have no doubt was also a very big part of opening her up. Thank you. Yeah. We're so lucky to not only, you know, I'm a psychologist, so I've had a lot of training, but it was like going back to school, being with the wolves. So it's, it's they're, they're such good teachers about just being present, holding space not having to do. And it really shows in our staff that we've been so fortunate to have them as our teachers. Yeah. Right, right. You know, my experience of Wolf Connection is, although 
when I first heard about it, I thought it was a wolf rescue. Mm -hmm. And I even, I heard it being talked about that way. I, having been there several times and getting to know all of you, it is a, unlike any other place in that there is some kind of vibe or energy that is there to heal. All of you are there for a reason. It's like, I don't know, you were all born and planted there. Because <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure anybody could do this, the grueling work, you know, also supporting the pack and supporting humans. And yeah, I expected to find like animal rescue type people. And what I found is like human guides. Yeah. Human like guide guiding toward light and healing. And sounds of sounds kind of woo-woo, but and I'm not like a woo-woo-y person. <laughs> but I am someone who as who has lived with significant trauma in my life and and opened up there. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really important stuff. I'm curious, Amanda, you are, you know, you are a let's call it conventionally trained psychologist, and yet you found wolf therapy. How did that happen? <laughs> mm, I love it. I just want to say before I answer that, Karen, just thank you for sharing your experience at Wolf yeah. Connection. It's yeah. so, I mean, it's just so touching to me. And then I love hearing other people's experience mm -hmm. of what it is. I mean, you're bringing things up in me that, that I'm not always aware of. And being here every day, I love what that sparks in me. It's like being here for the first time all over again when, nice. you know, when you speak, when you speak of your experience here. So thank you for that. How did I get here? You know, it was literally like my whole life. <laughs> I would say, this isn't it. Hmm. This isn't it. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing until I got here. So, I mean, logistically how it happened. I mean, I was in private practice in Seattle and I would see this wolf therapy advertised in psychology today. And I was like, that sounds fucking incredible. And my, you know, I like probably like a lot of people wasn't raised. I'm definitely a person who thinks outside of the box, mm -hmm. but like career wise, I was not raised. I mean, I didn't have any entrepreneurs in my family or people who did unconventional things for work. And so I think I went into psychology because I wanted to do something different. But when I was younger, I wanted to work with animals. And I remember seeing that ad and thinking like, I'm too far gone in this people work. I can't, I mean, maybe I could volunteer with the animals, but that's not my training. And yeah, I still had this thought I'd be there in private practice, like in some ways, loving the work, loving the, the human connection and still being like, this is not it. And fortunately, my partner got a job offer in LA and I was like, hell no, we're not moving to LA. I'd lived here before, <laughs> but there was this, you know, it was one of those things I'm sure others have experienced this where in my gut, I was like, oh, we're totally moving to LA. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, like yeah. I knew we were moving to LA. And I also knew that it was becoming very clear to me that some part of me was not being fulfilled, was not being touched. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I knew it wasn't right. And I would question it because I would be like, well, who are you to say, you know, you have a job, you have this and that, who are you to think you don't have enough. The wolves are howling. <laughs> here they are. <laughs> and then when we were going to move here, I said, now's the time. And so I looked up some equine therapy places. I was like, maybe I can just dabble in this. And something made me go back 
to the Psychology Today article and say, where is this place that does this wolf therapy? And it turns out that Wolf Connection is right outside of LA. So I immediately reached out to volunteer and I mean, the rest is history. Right. How long have you been there? I've been here almost six years now, which might not sound like a lot, but probably is the longest I've ever been in one position, in a job or at a place. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's such an incredible journey, right? Just like I said, I feel like all of you were born to be there. And here you were saying (laughs) whatever you had done prior is not is not the thing. And then you found the thing. Yeah. So was it Wolf Connection that was advertising in psychology today? Mm -hmm. Well, no, it was at that time, Wolf Connection worked with a rehab called Promises. Okay. And Promises advertised the wolf therapy as part of the, the rehab program. I see. Really cool. What do you imagine would happen to someone like the girl who connected with Mikey, that young woman, what do you imagine would happen if she did nothing? If Wolf Connection was not there, if that trauma therapy was not there for her, what do you imagine would happen to her and people like her? Mm, There's so many ways I could answer this. I am a person who likes to believe that we find what we need in our life. So it's hard for me to say, gosh, she would have went down this, Mm -hmm. you know, horrible path. I like to think that she would have gotten the medicine somewhere else. That's what I'd like to think. And then it happened to be here. However, I love your your generosity there. (laughs) Really nice. (laughs) And the other thing I have to say, because people want to look at it and say, oh, so the the Mm -hmm. youth that leave here have total success in their life. They, They don't. We live in a world with a lot of barriers. So whether it's socioeconomic status, race, poverty, just the like this young woman not having the adults in her life to say, hey, you're worth it, which a lot of people with privilege still experience. You know, I have to say, even for her, you know, I'm sure she's continuing to face struggles in her life. I like to think that we planted a seed that will continue to blossom and that will lead her to other healing experiences in her life. But I think the reality of it is, you know, there's a lot, even when you have those mentors or people who kind of verbally are like, you're worth it. That's so different than experiencing it in your body like she did. So I guess that probably taking the question another direction. But to me, that that is what is everything is. And it's been my experience that I didn't have until I was at Wolf Connection. Mm. Like believing something in the mind is different than feeling it in your body. Right. And I think that's everything with trauma. Mm-hmm. So. I, you know, not knowing exactly, you know, what happens beyond this, that to me is the foundation that we set is there's this, this space that happens in the body, almost for these youth or adults or whoever is here to kind of come back to, to be able to feel into. I like to think that that doesn't go away. It stays there. It may, you know, may be present at different levels Yeah. at different times. And then you know, the biggest thing with this young woman and many of those who come through our program is then she took a risk and it worked. And so there's that, that also that seed planted, ah, that worked. And so even though probably she, like most people will go back into old patterns, she'll also remember. And there was this time and she has the embodied experience where I took a risk and it was everything. 
So to me, that's everything regardless. So there's a lot of chaos, a lot of external circumstances. That's resilience. Mm -hmm. Like she touched on that. And so now she knows it's there. That to me is the difference. So that I think those that don't get it will have to figure that out later in life. And there might be a lot of youth we work with, we're doing prison diversion work. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we live in a system that's not just. So until we, the system changes, which is going to take much longer, we, we try to empower the youth to do everything that's in their power that they can, which some of it isn't. Some of it, they're going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right, right. You know, what is in your power to make a choice that serves you, to know you're resilient, to know you're worth it so that, you, you know, you choose a different path. So in reality, for, you know, for some youth that don't have something, whether it's Wolf Connection or something else, they end up on a path where they really don't see their own resilience. They don't see their worth. And, you know, like most of us, they repeat the patterns that we repeat the patterns of our ancestors. We, we continue to live out that trauma until someone, you know, generationally it's right. healed. Right. Yeah. Till someone says, I'm the cycle breaker. Yes. 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 Thank you for naming that. Yes. I know that was a little roundabout. A lot yeah. was. No, no. It was, yeah. yeah. That was beautiful. Thank you. I'm curious. I'm going to kind of shift a little bit to Wolf mm -hmm. Connection as an entity. Has the pandemic affected the viability of this incredibly important work that you all are doing? Yes. Mm. <laughs> I, I say that now as I feel like we're on the other side. Mm -hmm. I also see the blessings in the pandemic. You know, we've been doing a lot of internal work as a team and as a nonprofit have had some time to address things that get put on the back burner when we're so busy with programs. Nice. So that's been beautiful that I think we took advantage of that. But it certainly affected us financially. Unfortunately, a lot of our program staff, a lot of our staff generally, but a lot of our folks that do this work with the youth are gone because they moved, they had to find different jobs. We really weren't able to, we attempted different ways to serve and more recently had been working with probation virtually, the probation department. Oh, nice. But it just, you know, there's so many steps to get those kind of county programs in place that for much of the pandemic, we we did do Women and Wolves programs, so we were able to work with the public and still serve, but our youth programs got totally put on hold, mm -hmm. totally on hold. And we're starting to bring some groups back in May, which is lovely. I am so grateful. So Wolf Connection is not only a nonprofit that works with humans, but because we're on a 165-acre ranch and caring for 32 wolf dogs, there's huge overhead. Right. So I'm so grateful and so grateful for the folks who have donated, supported us, so grateful for our team for just sticking through no matter what. Mm -hmm. you know, we have a core team who is just stuck with this, regardless of whether there was money coming in, like we were like, the wolves will be taken care of, we will survive this. Mm -hmm. And so we have, I know we're not totally on the other side yet, but things are really looking up for us. So I just feel incredibly grateful that we're still here. A lot of nonprofits have gone under. Right. The wolves have gotten immense care and lots of hikes. Yes, I imagine. <laughs> there have been shining spots, but it's been, it's been scary. And for me personally, it's been heartbreaking mm. not, not doing the work and knowing that we had to end a program before it was through mm. yeah. and feeling some of these youth we work with being at home and not having the social support. So it's been everything. It, yeah. Gratitude and 
you know, the heartbreak that right. a lot of people feel. Yeah. Yeah. Are the schools, just as an aside, are the schools in LA, are they back in session? It depends on the schools, right? So some are back in session. A lot are doing, my understanding, it, it can change frequently, but the more public schools are still doing like hybrid approaches. So we're, I feel pretty confident there'll, there'll be more conversations that we'll be back in business with the schools in the fall doing our eight-week programs. And then in the meantime, we've received through this beautiful program in Los Angeles County with the Department of Mental Health and Community Partners. We're part of an amazing incubation program there and have received funding to work with other groups. Oh, terrific. Yeah. So we're expanding our partnerships and have a couple programs with foster care youth coming up, which which we're delighted about. So- we have a, a lot of good things coming in. Beautiful, really beautiful. Can people visit the ranch like with an appointment or something? Can they have a, a wolf experience? Absolutely. The easiest thing to do is go to our website or follow us on social media. But on the website, if you go to www.wolfconnection.org, it lays out the different ways to visit. We have had less public programs. So typically during a year, we'll have these big community hikes where people can come out. And then we also have private visits. Mm-hmm. Right now, the visits are a little bit more limited, but those are expanding too. We've been keeping them to 10 or under, 10 people or under. Okay. There'll be more to come. We also have, like I said, been doing our Women and Wolves programs, which is a really beautiful program that now we do immersive. So there are virtual sessions that end in a retreat. And then we sometimes do single day programs for that. But there are many ways for adults and youth to come, even if they're not part of our our eight-week program. Great. Yeah, that's terrific. I'm curious, Amanda, what's been most useful with you being here in the space of the Trauma Hiders Club? I have, I, I said this, but I... I was deeply touched by you speaking of your experience at Wolf Connection. There's so many variables. You know, we spoke kind of of the order, each wolf having having their place, you know, the part I didn't touch on. So as you named that piece and named how powerful, you know, being at the medicine wheel and the wolves howling, and it really brings up that that pack mentality for me. And so I'm sitting here just processing as it comes in into my body, how, how touched I've felt and how even in doing this podcast, you know, it, it's a community, right? It's, it's a pack of individuals listening, the way that we're all connected through our trauma, through our healing. And that, that is such a big piece of the work we do. To me, that's such a big part about podcasts, how when we hear someone else's story, it mirrors our own experience and we feel how we're connected with one another. So that's just really landing for me yeah. in this moment. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. I have one last question for you. I think you did touch on this, but we'll bring it back. And that's, what are you most excited about in your world? What do you want listeners to know about Wolf Connection, about Wolf Therapy, about the work, about you? Mm, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you get to choose. I mean, I think I mentioned, you know, with Wolf Connection, so grateful for the time that that we had to invest in 
moving forward. So I'm, I'm thrilled about expanding to work with more youth. I'm thrilled about this Women and Wolves program that is very trauma focused. Yeah. We're working immersively with, you know, a cohort of women who go through the program together and then get to come together in person at the end. Hmm. And I name that specifically because, you know, for me, it's hard to talk about trauma without talking about myself as if mm-hmm. I'm outside of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding this work with the women, with the adult women to be incredibly healing for me nice. as well. And then personally, you know, as we talk about COVID, all of this has brought up a lot of my, you know, I think about the parallels as I talk about the youth, like these teenagers are just as much teachers to Mm -hmm. me and to us as the wolves have been. So I've really been in my own stuff and noticing as I I was sharing this young woman's story, I'm like, that's what I'm going through is this, this struggle asking for help. Like shouldn't, you know, it's such a good reminder to think back to her story and how courageous she was. And it's inspiring me almost, you know, I owe it, not only owe it to myself, but owe it to these youth that we work with and the wolves as our teachers to to keep taking risks. So, you know, I'm excited to be on my own journey and to welcome, you know, more inspiration. I'm inspired the more groups that, that we work with. So I'm really excited to welcome them back continue doing the work, the the wolf therapy work that we offer, putting that out into the world and knowing that I say that because it, it benefits my own journey as well. I'm always forced to go a little bit deeper, a little more uncomfortable. I don't know if it ever gets easier, but it's, you know, I feel like it's the commitment that I've made by by being here, being part of Wolf Connection and inviting others to do the work. It's always brought back to me, whether it's a wolf or human who points it out, mm-hmm. that I made an agreement to be committed to my own growth as well. Oh, I love that. Really nice. Really nice. And so that's just so perfect. You're so aligned with why we're here in this room, in this Trauma Hiders Club podcast, right? That's my, my commitment is mm-hmm. I'm here because I, I, I didn't have this thing when I needed it. Mm-hmm. And I've made a commitment to go deeper and deeper and put things out into the world because there, there are millions of people just like me. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So you touched a little bit on the website. Where can listeners find you? I'm going to acknowledge that I'm horrible at social. So hopefully I get the handles right. (laughs) This is not my expertise at Wolf Connection or in life. The website is www.wolfconnection.org. Okay. And you can find us on social by looking up Wolf Connection. Right. It's pretty, it's pretty obvious. Right. It's a great Instagram to follow. Like beautiful pictures of wolves. Yes. And people and stories. And we'll also have links to Wolf Connections site and links to the Instagram. I don't know if there's a Facebook page, but if there is, we'll have that too. Yes, Facebook as well. Facebook yeah. is Pack News. Wolf Connection Pack News. Okay. And that's that's the Facebook. The Facebook Facebook and Instagram. We not only we're, it's very wolf centric. People love love to see the wolves, but we also promote all of our upcoming events and programs and things like that on there. So it's yeah. a way to keep up with you know, if you're, if you're a distance, you can just follow what we're doing. But if you're in the Los Angeles area or visiting, there are ways to come visit the ranch as well. And is there a way to participate in women? Is Women and Wolves a virtual program that has a in-person retreat? Is that it? Yes, we're, we're in the middle. We just started in April, but we're offering a second cohort starting August 2nd. 
Beautiful. And it's, so it's basically a, a 10 week program where there's an initial week of reflection and there are eight virtual sessions. And then it culminates in a day long, eventually this will probably be more than a day, but with COVID and things, it's mm-hmm. a day long retreat. So we do have participants all across the country. What? So yeah. yeah, if it starts in August, right, you could have, not that I'm putting more work on you, but there could be a more expanded retreat, yeah. right? Because it would be yeah. October. Right. Right. Nice. That's really cool. Okay. We'll have a link to that too. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice. Amanda, I loved having you here on this show. What a treat. What an opportunity. I mean, I know that whether it was coincidence that I met Teo, the CEO of Wolf Connection and I got up and close with Wolf Connection mm-hmm. for a long, long time. I truly believe that that what happens there is not only magical, it's like no other place. And it takes people like you and like Teo, who are unlike most people, <laughs> creating safety and care and love. And for people like me who live in kind of a, hypervigilant, unsafe view of the world, like that is, that's home. It's a nice, beautiful, comfortable bed of healing. Thank you, Karen. My pleasure. So good to reconnect with you. Thank you. You too. You too. And thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. For more episodes, head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ready to fight, discover the rules of Trauma Club. Head over to KarenGoldfingerBaker.com.